Welcome to BizBytes, brought to you by Com Together, helping businesses like yours build their brand through telling amazing stories to engage and grow audiences on multiple platforms. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of BizBytes, where I have a guest has an accent, but we won't hold that against him. Um, I, I always want to say to people, can you pick the accent? Because I think... Um, and I'm going to give the game away here is is that uh, in Australia we do struggle to tell the difference between an American and a Canadian accent, um, which is probably a massive insult um, to anyone who's Canadian. So, Jeff, uh, thank you for being part of the podcast and we welcome all Canadians here. <laughs> Thanks very much, Anthony. I'm happy to be here. And, yes, I am, in fact, Canadian. And, no, I don't hold it against anybody if they think I'm an American. Um, I cry when I get home, but I'm, you know, I don't hold it personal. I don't hold a grudge. <laughs> well, which is which is just as well. I think there are some key words that that give the game away, but we won't go into we won't go into that. Maybe they'll just That's reveal right. themselves as we as we talk. So, so Jeff, um, as I do with all my guests, I like them to introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about what you do. Sure. Hi, everybody. My name is Jeff Downs. Um, uh, as we talked about, I'm from Canada. I came out to Australia in 2007 to start up a business called Redback Conferencing. That was a teleconferencing, web conferencing, video conferencing company. That was half of our business. The other half of our business was managing um, virtual events, digital events, that kind of thing. In fact, we were actually the first people in the world to start managing that. Uh, it grew so large. We had, uh, you know, four studios here in Sydney and another four uh, in Melbourne. Uh, recently, though, I've sold the business. I sold it um, just towards the end of 2022. Uh, and I am now working um, as a consultant, helping other entrepreneurs maximize the value in their business. I've, you know, th this last one I did was my fourth business that I've uh, started, operated, and sold. So uh, I've made tons of mistakes along the way. So I figure I just tell people, don't do what I did, and we'll be all good. Yeah, it's a, it's an admirable thing, isn't it? The the that idea of helping other people and not make the same mistakes that that we've made, and I think that's part of the the growing pains of any business, isn't it? We make mistakes, but it's easier said than done to recognize the mistakes and to learn from mm. the mistakes and to help people not make the same mistakes so that they actually listen to you. Oh, you're totally right, Anthony. I mean, like. You know what it's like when you're right in the thick of it and, and things are coming at you fast and furious and you're uh, trying to break even or you're dealing with an upset staff or an upset customer or that kind of thing. It's really hard for you to remove yourself from the fire and take a look at it. So I've found that getting an outside perspective can really help, you know. Um, and, and I've kind of leaned on that along the way. It's, it, 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 it's really kind of funny. Every business I've had, I've, I've brought in a board. Uh, board of directors um, to help with that. Initially, uh, it was just there to rubber stamp, you know, whatever I wanted to do kind of thing. And I didn't really appreciate the value that a board brought to me. Uh, and it was only later in life, I think, when I started getting gray hair and thinking about things and making lots of mistakes that I realized, actually, a board's there to support me. It's there to challenge me. Right? It's there to give me a different perspective, to ask me, well, why are you doing that? Um, and you know, so you're totally right. Outside perspective, whether it's a board or a consultant or a peer group like uh, EO or any of those other kind of uh, organizations, it really it's quite helpful. Yeah, I think it's um, it's necessary for business to and business leaders 
to have people that are not afraid to tell them like it is mm. uh, and to see see things differently without you having to be defensive about it because too often as a leader we feel that need to be defensive and uh, justify what we're doing even if perhaps we can't. And uh, yeah. having a group or a, at least a person or a group of people, as you say, a board is, is uh, and I'd love to explore that idea a bit as well, is, is I think it's critical. Yeah, you're totally right. Um, of course, the key thing there is trust, right? If, if someone is uh, critical or, or criticizing you or, or, or that kind of thing, you can take that on board and that can be a very, very positive experience as long as there is trust when I know that what you're saying to me is coming from the right place and the right motivation. Um, and as long as we've developed a um, a trusting relationship, then you can let it fly. You can say whatever you want because it, it's going to be well-received. So it's good to develop those good, trusting relationships with people that will challenge you. Absolutely. And 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 I love the idea of of a board as well because often – we think about the notion of of a person, commonly a, a business coach, for example, uh, and sometimes it's a it's a coaching school, so there might be a few people in that. But it's not. But the idea of a board is something different again, because mm. it's a it's a group of people, and most people think of a board as literally being someone who's in control of of a business at a high level and that kind of board. But there is there is this idea of a board of people that become your reference group as much as anything else. Completely right. You know, and, um, you know, as long as we've been in business, each one of us out there or, the, or any of your listeners, I mean, we don't know absolutely everything. There's different people that have different skill sets. And if you've got a good, supportive, engaged board with a bit of a variety of skill sets, one might be strong in sales and marketing, another maybe it's finance, another, you know, risk or compliance or, or whatever that happens to be, it can really help a lot. It can help a lot with your strategy um, and with you just minimizing some of the risks, avoiding some of those pitfalls. So I, I just think it's entirely a positive. Yeah, and 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 I suppose that's the that's the question then. Then Jeff, um, where do you see your role moving forward with this new venture that you've established? Well, okay, first and foremost, I'm absolutely loving it. You know, no staff. I don't I don't have, you know, I had like 40, 50 employees. I don't I don't have to deal with any of that kind of stuff. I don't have rents that I'm paying for while everybody's sitting at home uh, or any of that kind of stuff, you know. So I'm really enjoying the flexibility of that. Uh, and really my role is um, just to interface with people, learn about their business, understand how they want to exit. What do they want to get out of that exit? I've got a whole bunch of, not just experience, but I've got a lot of uh, tools that I can bring, um, exercises and uh, resources, materials, different kind of questionnaires. A lot of it's science-based um, that helps guide people's uh, decisions. And, and really what it is, is I get into a business, I take a look at what are the things in that business that are driving the value of that business? And what are the things in that business that are detracting from that value? So um, my job then is to work with the business owner and amplify those things that are working for them. Really make sure that those have a voice and they've got room to run. And then take a look at the ones that are detracting from your value and bringing to bear some of the tools to uh, measure that. Understand what, what why 
those issues are happening and give them the resources they need to be able to go in and, and address it. Um, also, sometimes it's just to be a sounding board. I mean, it's lonely at the top. It's really, really kind of lonely at the top, right? And when, and when you're an entrepreneur and you're in there plugging away and you've got employees, either you have a big staff or you don't have a big staff, but you've got employees, they might love the business and all that kind of stuff. But really, at the end of the day, they're more worried about themselves and how things are affecting them. Nobody is really, really, at the end of the day, really worrying about the business owner. And his issues or her issues are always coming. It, it, they're always taking second place. And there's no one really there to hear their issues and, and either just be a shoulder to cry on or a sounding board. I mean, for me personally, I didn't want to take that home. You know, I didn't I didn't want to be talking about all my issues at work when I got home and, and talk to my wife about all this kind of stuff. I mean, she really cared. Don't get me wrong. She's smart as a whip. She's way smarter than I am. But I don't want to I want to leave work at work as much as I can for, for business owners, that's pretty tough to do. So I don't want to, it's already hard enough to shut it, up, shut it off as it is without engaging my wife and talking about all the issues I got. And so sometimes that outside perspective um, and that outside person can really help even in that regard. So I'm, I'm, I enjoy doing that as well. You know, I enjoy just being that sounding board or giving a guy a pat on the shoulder when it's deserved or a kick in the bum when, when that's deserved. Well, I, I, Love as well that you've got a pool of experience to draw upon. Um, one of the frustrations that can happen often in in a um, coaching realm and um, is that there are many out there who have never really run any other businesses. So they're giving advice without having experienced it themselves, which is not to say they might not be great at what they do. Mm, um, but mm. I think it's different when you've got that experience and you're coming at it from a from a different perspective that you can relate to stories. I'm, I'm a big believer in storytelling and the power of storytelling and yeah. that relatability is, is huge. So talk to me about the, you know, you've, you've been there and done it four times, as you said, with different businesses. What was the... Um, you know, were each of those four businesses quite different, and and what were the what were the reasons for for moving on from those businesses? Because that's never an easy decision within itself. No, you're you're absolutely right, and and I think I'm a slow learner. One of the things you have to learn is be proactive and and understand manage the risks. Every business is a risk, right? Your business is typically your most valuable asset that you've got generally more often than not and the longer you're ticking along and you might be doing well that's all well and good but it's still a risk there's stuff that can happen out there in that big bad world that can impact on your business maybe it's your health it might be uh, the gfc it could be COVID. it could be a, a a host of different things that can impact on your business and take it all away right so you have to keep in mind that as well as you're doing, there is risk associated with that. And so you need to be thinking about and you need to be ready to sell. Um, the first business I ever did was a grocery store. I had a small chain of grocery stores in the uh, Toronto, Canada area. Um, did that straight out of uni. You know, I had like four stores in the metro Toronto area. And I hung into that way too long. I had an offer and I turned it down because I was making good money. And hung on to it way, way, way too long. And the reason why the businesses were so successful and was making great money back in those days was all the other stores had to be closed on Sundays, right? In, in Canada, and it, during the 
during the nineties and that kind of thing, it was, uh, we had Sunday opening laws. So you all had to be closed unless your store was of a specific size or in a specific location within the city, maybe deemed a tourist area or that kind of thing, or it had a, a particular footprint that conformed with the Sunday opening laws, you had to be closed. And so I built all of my stores to conform with those laws so that I could be open. And so I worked six days to pay the staff, pay the suppliers, pay the landlords, pay everybody. And the seventh day, um, while the good Lord rests on the seventh day, Jeff, he made his profit on the seventh day. Uh, but when the Sunday opening came, and it came about very, very quickly, very unanticipated in Canada, it killed my business. And so, you know, my learning there was I was not prepared to sell. And sometimes the best offer is the first offer. Sometimes you have to take a look at it and explore it and keep an open mind. I had a closed mind, a narrow, narrow vision. And truth be told, I was young and I probably didn't have enough confidence in myself. I, I thought to myself, look, I'm making all this money doing what I'm doing right now. If I take this, how do I know I'm going to make that kind of same kind of level of money again doing something else? You know, so um, I think probably it was a little bit of lack of foresight and a lack of confidence is why I hung into that one a little bit too long. Uh, I left there and uh, helped start up a, a recruiting soft. We started recruiting software engineers. Um, I'd never touched a computer in my life, you know, and here I am recruiting uh, hardware and software engineers. But my partner knew knew what he was talking about, and I got in there and got going with that. Um, and I only stayed in that one. I just dipped my toe in that. I was in that for like two years. And I was in and out, in and out. Really wasn't my kind of thing. And, you know, so it just wasn't for me. Um, it was kind of soul destroying, actually. You know, people are coming to you with their hopes and their dreams. Please find me a job. Help me out. Help me out. And when you're not really qualified and stuff, you're just throwing stuff all over the place. Like it, it really, I didn't feel good about it. It, it wasn't, it didn't resonate with me. It was a business I probably shouldn't have got into. I think one of the lessons there is do stuff that you're passionate about, do stuff that you love, you know. Um, so that was a, that was a tough one. And I, then I got into corporate sales. So uh, timing is everything. And I came in at a good time. And I worked at uh, Canada's version of Telstra, which is called Bell Canada, big, you know, national telco, one of the biggest companies in Canada, really. And quickly, I became a national director of sales there um, and responsible for their teleconference. They had a couple of teleconferencing businesses. So I um, merged the two businesses together. I was pitching Bell with a different way of operating that business. That they, 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 It was a little bit too, uh, too radical for them, a very big, blue, conservative type of a business. So they didn't really... They liked the idea of consolidating the two businesses together, but they didn't like the rest of my business plans. So after I consolidated them, I went to um, the markets, I raised some money, and I started my own company, uh, Enunciate Conferencing, a fairly large teleconferencing company. It grew really, really quite quickly um, and hung in there for like five years. Uh, we were like the 12th fastest growing company in Canada at the time, and I sold it to like a billion dollar um, multinational conferencing company and thought I would retire. Uh, that didn't stick. You know, it took a few years off and we traveled around. We discovered Australia um, through our travels. The kids were all really, really young. And when it came time to do something else, 
told my wife, look, you know, I don't, let's, let's move to Australia and start up a business. We like Australia. Let's try something new. And like, that was all my, um, that was all my research. I was mentioning to you, you know, what were off air. I thought Australia was hot. I thought it was hot 24, seven, 12 days a month, 12, 12 months a year. We all rocked down in shorts and t-shirts finding out in the middle of June. And no, actually it's pretty darn cold. So, um, but fortunately it turned out well. It was great. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. So I think my learnings through all of that was be better prepared for uh, a sale than what I was. Kind of start if ideally in the best world, you would start a business with the end in mind. You know, you would you, you would kind of start it up right from the get-go. How am I going to structure a business that I can build as much equity into this business as I possibly can? pull as much profit out as I possibly can and make it easy to sell when I want to sell, when I want to sell, not when I have to sell. So it's, it's a really, it's a really interesting idea as well, because, um, you know, from a marketing perspective, we talk about why and purpose and all of these kinds of things as well. But I, but at a simple level, when, when I talk about storytelling, I often talk about, you've got to know the end before you can start writing the beginning and the rest of the story. And, and mm. uh, it's, it's similar to that. So, so, I'm I'm fascinated by all of those things, but what's I'm I'm wanting to know what's driven you because when you were when you were young, university or, or schooling days, what was the vision and, and and what was the influence like from your parents? Because um, you've got a, a clearly got a very entrepreneurial streak, and uh, and 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 uh, as such, to drift into different businesses and to different countries. So where does that mm. where does that all come from? It comes from being the black sheep in the family, you know, like my, my, my uh, look, I, I was blessed, right? I, I was raised in a very, very loving, supportive family. Just I couldn't ask for a better childhood. It was just it was marvelous. You know, I had like four other brothers, five boys, uh, mom and dad. And it was just really, really, really good. But no entrepreneurs in our family whatsoever, right? I was just the way I was wired. And, you know, if you talk to my wife, she'd tell you still am. I can't be told what to do. I like to do my own thing. And and if we play games, I'm making up the rules and kind of tweaking it and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So that's just kind of how I was wired really is what it is. And that's why I got into business because, you know, I, I just – Figured I would jump in and, and get to do it, and and I think a baseline of confidence. You know, I talked about a lack of confidence in, in terms of selling, but I had a baseline of confidence of like ah, I'll figure it out. You know what I mean? When I when when I kind of jump in, no real plan or anything like that. Just I kind of I'll figure it out. So my motivation is really I think building a better mousetrap. It's always questioning things. Why are we doing it this way? Surely to God, there's a better way of doing it. You know, whether it's in the grocery stores, changing the the lineup along the aisle. Why do I have milk here and bread there? And like just all sorts of, it's really just, um, I think two things, trying to build a better mousetrap, do something better. And I love sales. I love customers, right? Like I really like helping people that's the best thing about sales is that you're actually helping somebody and so i think those are the things that has just kind of driven me through everything and i think it's really what's fueling me now in my old age you know doing you know in in yet another new career is um it's giving me all that same stuff right there's sales there's customers there's supporting people there's helping people 
so I, I kind of feel that's the one thing that's been consistent through everything. Yeah, I, the the idea of helping people is simple, but it but it is what drives mo- should be what drives most businesses. Um, you know, we we talk about you know the vision for Com Together has always been we want to change the world, and we believe the best way to do that is one person at a time, and it's because every business that we work with is making a little bit of a difference, and it doesn't matter whether that that difference doesn't have to be you know, um, solving world hunger. Um, that's, yeah. it, it's the the little differences that make things more convenient, that make things function better, that, that drive a better lifestyle, that uh, make it easier for you to do other things. All of those things are, are part of what changed the world, what changes the world in a positive yeah. way. And I think too often businesses have lost sight of what their purpose is and um, they've, find themselves drifting into doing things that take them off course from where they had originally intended and have drifted so long and so far that that original intention is almost completely lost. And that's Mm. a pity. And it's until you sort of drive back to some of those stories that you don't realise that there is a huge untapped potential still. I think you're totally right. And, and, um, it, it sounds simple, doesn't it? Like just help people, you know, and it like it, it really does sound simple. But at the end of the day, that's all it is. Like in sales, I can't get what I want until I help you get what you want. Mm. It's as simple as that. I'll never get what I want unless I'm able to help you get what you want. It, whether that's me selling you something or me providing a service to you, you know, um, it's just helping people achieve whatever it is they're looking for and calling it a day. Yeah, it's it's really. Um, I think it's so important um, that people spend some time and go back to those grassroots of it. And I think the interesting thing about the process that you're getting involved in in the planning for the exit of a business, in many respects, it does force people to do that, or at least it should. And and it's about conveying that to the to the new owner, potential new owners as well are saying, well, here's what the story has been, why they got into this, why it was established, why it is where it is today, and here's also what the potential is in starting to unlock some of those things because too often I, I think and you, uh, you'd you see this, that businesses just go, okay, it's time to exit, and they're ticking some boxes for getting their financials in order and making sure some systems are documented but that's only half the battle and then they worry why they're not getting the valuation that perhaps they thought they were going to get well that's that's exactly it you know and um i think too often uh as a business owner you focus on the easy stuff you think okay well it's you know my multiple is just tied to my uh you know 12 months trailing revenue or whatever it happens to be but there's so many other things that impact on your value than just purely that. And if you're across of them and you're planning for them and you're managing each one of them, then and you're across it and you know exactly where you're performing on each particular one, that's how you maximize your value. Obviously, you need the profits because, you know, whoever's buying your businesses isn't buying last year's profits or buying next year's profits. So you, you've got to be able to tell the story, right? And, and, and you've got to be able to, 
tell it holistically but in every single different area so it's 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 it's, it's why it's so important to bring people in uh, external who can see things and see things in the way that potentially someone that's going to buy the business is going to is going to see them and and and, and again they talk about that trust factor early on and and building that trust so that people will understand that um, you're coming with their best interests at heart and that we're trying to, you know, trying to plan for uh, an, an exit that is going to be a win for everybody. And part of that is yeah. sometimes the hard truths that you have drifted and that you need to unlock some new potential in order for people to see it. Because I think that's the hard thing that, that we realise as, as well is that most people can't easily see a vision for what the potential is. You know, there are certain creative yeah. types that can see that, but but many people don't. They see what's in front of them and then often exaggerate the costs of what it will cost, well, what it will be to uh, to unlock some of that potential. Mm, mm, you're totally right. And I think it comes back to what you were talking about earlier, how, about how sometimes an outside perspective looking in can help shine a light or change your perspective a little bit when we're following and we're in the trenches and we're putting one foot in front of the other one foot in front of the other trying to keep all the balls in the air um it's really really hard to see okay where am i going to unlock some potential in this you know i'm just worrying about keeping those balls in the air and, and, and keep on moving forward right so yeah i i think you're totally right it's about looking at everything holistically and being able to articulate the story, tell that story, paint that picture, you know, paint that picture for your employees, why you're doing it to your clients and to your prospective purchaser. Like, like understand your story, understand what it is that makes you unique, be able to articulate that effectively and authentically. You got to really, really believe it. And, and you really got to live it. How many guys have you seen in business that talk about, oh, I'm, I'm all for a really good, positive culture. Culture is everything in my business. And then meanwhile, they're treating their staff or they're not trusting their staff or they're really kind of, they have to win with each employee and stuff like that. What they say and what they do are two entirely different kind of things. And so. Absolutely. It's, it's people got, often people say, what they believe they need to be saying and they don't do it with with any ill intent but they say what what they believe is right based on their experiences and the people around them in order to satisfy that but is it what they really mean is it what they really do and those two things are um quite often confronting to think about but really powerful when you unlock it. And uh, you know, many examples where I've worked with clients over the years where we talk about core values and what they've listed as a core value for a business and what then the way they operate, uh, they don't match. And it's okay yeah. to change them. It's okay to change it and to be and to be who you are, not who you think the business should be. Um, to tick some uh, imaginary box for people um, because what happens is otherwise when people come to join you on that journey in, in whatever fashion that is, whether it's a beta supporter, beta the staff member, beta uh, someone who's buying from you, there's inevitably a sense of disappointment because what you say and what you do are not the same thing and you have to have those things aligned. 
You're totally right. And I think in an employer-employee relationship, um, it takes a while to earn the employee's trust and it takes a heartbeat to lose it, right? So, you know, so you need to be consistent. You need to have the same message. You need to be able to repeat it, you, you know. They might not even hear your message for the first five times. It might take seven, eight times of you saying the same thing before it actually resonates and sinks in with somebody. But all the way along, you need to be consistent uh, and earn their trust. I think it's easier to earn the trust of a client than it is an employee. I think clients will give you their trust a lot quicker um, because they have a vested interest in, in you doing well. I selected you as a vendor, so I've, I've got a vested interest in making sure that you're doing well because I picked you. And so therefore I'm gonna trust you right out of the gate. Um, and uh, I, I just kind of feel like empl the employer-employee relationship is critical and people might not put the effort in that they need to. I wanted to ask you just to wrap things up here. Um, is there a moment, an aha moment that you think businesses have either when they're working with you or or perhaps in your case in the in in realizing the need to come and work with someone like yourself is is there that aha moment that needs to happen i think there is um those type of things are, are the things that spur action sometimes the easiest thing to do is just keep on doing what i've done right and and we're humans man we're wired to take the easy path if we can that's just human nature and so sometimes the only reason why we will implement change is because we have a problem um as opposed to i'm trying to advocate to people i want you to make change so that you don't have a problem in the future not because you necessarily have a problem today I want you to change because I want you to be the best you can possibly be. Whereas other people are, it's good enough, man. I'm getting by. I'm getting by, you know? So the aha moment is when uh, there's a couple, when, when, when people can realize, well, hang on a sec. I can, I can actually influence the future and, and, and the things I do today can actually have an incremental value, a significant, perhaps even a life-changing um, value. And I can, I can measure, I can actually see the ROI. I can see what it's going to cost me to, to bring Jeff in. And I can see what that incremental value to my business is going to be. All right, I buy it. I'll give it a go. Um, so that's one aha aha moment. And the and, and you know another one, Anthony, is sometimes people find out they're not as bad as they thought they were. You know, they 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 look at this and they realize, you know what, I'm actually doing all right in this area, in this area, in this area. It's not so bad. And you know, if I can help them look at it and kind of shape their story a little bit and shape their message, one of the things I like to work with people on is, you know, what makes their business special and why are they unique, you know, and, and, and help them kind of polish that, that, that thought, uh, even if they don't do anything with it for them to even just think that way. Um, but that's a, that, that's a nice feeling as well. When I see that aha moment where they realize, Oh, hang on a sec, you know, it's not so bad. It's not so bad. Oh, I think that's a it's a terrific note to uh, to end it on, uh, Jeff. I really appreciate you you coming and joining us, and I and I encourage people to go and check out uh, um, some of the materials that Jeff's got. We'll we'll provide links to all of that on the on the website. 
and uh, and also we're in the show notes for the podcast. Jeff, thank you so much for being a part of BizBytes and for all that you've shared in your huge amounts of stories. And I look forward to the opportunity to catch up with you again. Austin, I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, talk about myself. <laughs> thank you, Anthony. And everyone, stay tuned uh, again for the next episode of BizBytes. BizBytes is brought to you by Com Together for all your marketing needs so you can build your brand, engage audiences on multiple platforms. Go to comtogether.com.au, follow the links to book an appointment for a free consultation.